Uh, you're, you're very welcome. Those that are here in the hall and those that are in the car park, we make you very welcome. And we just looked to God for his blessing. And also we trust that you in the meeting tonight might go in for salvation. Now, just before I speak, can we just turn and read to, turn to our Bibles and just read a few passages of, of scriptures first? Uh, firstly, in Luke, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and we'll read from verse 11. And he said, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have, he, have bread enough unto spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother has come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments, and yet thou never givest me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. And just... Another uh, few verses in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Um, and we'll read from verse 9. Read from verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And just another chapter in Luke here, chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and we'll read verse 
32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ, to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And down you just cast your eye down to verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deed. deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto, him, unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I know that's quite a bit of reading, but just one final reading, and this is the chapter that spoke to me, or the few verses that spoke to me the night that I got saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll read from verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and he was seen. And we know that God will add a, a blessing to the, to the public reading of his precious word. Now, just... For a few moments, I just want to give you a very brief message in the gospel before I tell you my testimony. I won't keep you very long. I know there are those in the car and I can get cold. Um, but just in the passages that we have read from Luke, in the first passage there we have two sons, the elder son and the younger, the younger son and the elder son. In Luke chapter 18, there we have two men, the Pharisee and the publican. And then in Luke chapter 3, we have the two malefactors, um, those two criminals, the two thieves. And, you know, the one thing that we can see from these individuals, and that is that one got saved and the other didn't. These men in these passages, you know, they represent all of humanity. In fact, they represent everybody that's here in this meeting tonight and those that are in the car park. You are either saved or you're not saved. And I want to ask just before... I say anything more at the commencement of the meeting. Are you saved? And what I mean by that is, can you go back to that moment in your life when realizing that you were a sinner and realizing that your sin was taking you down to hell, that you took God at his word and trusted in his son as your own and personal savior? You know, without a moment of salvation, the Bible makes it clear that there is no heaven. And... Um, you know, this might seem quite a simple question to ask in a gospel meeting, but, and particularly even for those that maybe hear the gospel every week, but why do we need to be saved? You know, quite often, you know, we, we, we say the word saved, but I want to ask you in the meeting tonight, if I was to ask you, why do you need to be saved? I wonder, could you answer the question? If we see somebody out in the boat and they were drowning, we would say that they were being saved from drowning, but why do we need to be saved, as we mention it here in the gospel? And... You know, the Bible makes it very clear that we have a condition, and that condition is called our sin. And in the sight of God, we are sinners, and our sin is what is keeping us out of heaven. See, God and sin cannot dwell together, and our sin has separated us from God. And as a result, our sin has taken us down to a place called hell and the lake of fire if we never get saved. There's a verse that I was thinking of in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2. 
Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And you know, there's another verse in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. You know, that's what the reason that we need to be saved is because of our sin. And because our sin, we are facing the judgment of God. And just, I want to bring just one a thought out from each of these chapters that I have read. We will see from the, man, the young man in, in Luke chapter 15, we real, these, he realized that he was a sinner. He said in verse 12, he says, I have sinned against heaven. No, not verse 12, sorry, verse 21. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. There was a man who realized he was a sinner. If we were to go to the man, the, the publican in chapter 18, we read there in verse 13, he said, God be merciful to me, the sinner. And also the man, uh, the malefactor in chapter 23 and verse 41, he said, we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. You know, unless you realize you're a sinner, you know, you'll never seek God's salvation. And I just want to see from the man in Luke chapter 15, here was a man who began to be in want. The publican in Luke chapter 18, here was a man who really felt the weight of his sin. And the malefactor in Luke chapter 23, here was a man. And we see his wisdom. He says, does that now fear God? And of course, the Bible makes it clear that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And we see his wisdom, a man who was facing death, realizing that he was soon to be in eternity. And we see how he went in for salvation and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. But just very, very briefly, and just a few minutes on each of the, each of the chapters, Luke chapter 15, here was a man, and he was given his inheritance by his father. And once he was given his inheritance, he got up from home and he left. He went into a far country, and it was said that there he wasted his substance he wasted the inheritance that he was given with riotous living. And what happened there, if we were to read there in verse 13, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. You know, here was a man who realized that while he had everything probably that this world could offer, he was given his inheritance. I'm sure he was quite wealthy, but yet it was only short-lived and he began to be in want. You know, I wonder, is there someone in the meeting tonight and, you know, you realize that there is something just missing. You're realizing that you might have many things in this world, but you don't have that lasting joy. You know, there's a hymn that we sometimes sing, Now none but Christ can satisfy, none other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. Here was a man, he was destitute, he had spent all, and no man gave unto him. But, you know, the great thing that we can read was that this man came to himself and he came back to his father and his father was waiting for him. You know, in the gospel here tonight, you know, you might not have, there, you know, you might have certain amount of finances, money, you could have everything that this world could offer. But, you know, that's only for time and it's not joys that are lasting. And here's a man who realized that he could have lasting joy by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as his own impersonal saviour. It said in verse 20, 24, that this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost 
and is found, and they began to be to be merry. So there was a man who was in want, realizing that this earth gave him nothing for eternity, but he needed to be saved if he was ever to be in heaven. Then in Luke chapter 18, I'll just turn to it here, Luke chapter 18, there we have the Pharisee and the, the publican. And we read there in verse 13 that the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here was a man, and he wouldn't even look up to heaven. He realized his sinfulness before God, realizing his unworthiness. But yet, uh, here was a man who cried out to God for forgiveness. And, you know, in the gospel tonight, we can, there's a, a verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 that says, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loves us. You know, you might be here in the meeting tonight, and I wonder, would there be someone in the meeting tonight, and you could be singled out, not by my words, but by the words of the, but by, through the, through the Holy Spirit, that you might be singled out in the meeting tonight to realize that this world has very little to offer, that you might feel that want, but also to realize the weight of your sin and to realize that your sin has taken you down to hell and that you would cry to God for forgiveness and trust in his son as your own and personal savior. Just very quickly, Luke chapter 23. Here we have two malefactors. Um, it says that one of the malefactors which were hanged in him railed in him saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, dost thou, thou fear God seeing thou art in the same condemnation? As I said, here was a man who also realized that he was a sinner, but realizing that very soon he was to be in eternity and facing God, and he had faced the punishment for if he was there on earth facing the punishment for his sin, but very soon he'd be facing the punishment for his sin eternally uh, um, to face God and his sins. And, you know, really I think what this man was saying, dost thou, thou fear God? Really what he was saying to the other malefactor to me is that, do you not fear meeting God in your sin? You know, there was a verse that used to speak to my father before he got saved. And it's the verse, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, if you're to die in your sins, you will not, uh, you know, you will face, face God in your sins and you will know the reality of the meaning of even John chapter 3, verse 36, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That's just, you know, and the, the one thing that, you know, ever since I got saved, the one thing that's the greatest joy, and that is to have that fear gone. That was the one thing that probably would have spoke to me the most, was just that fear of meeting God in my sins. But, you know, for those that are saved... We know that there's verses in Scripture that make it very clear that our fears are gone. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Another verse there in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's just a very brief uh, outline of these men. And there we have the three men who realized that they were sinners, and thankfully, we can read how they got saved. But, you know, there was three other men. There was the older son, there was the Pharisee, 
and there was the other malefactor, but we never read of them getting saved. And I just wonder where each here in the meeting tonight stand in light of eternity. It doesn't make a difference what you have here on earth. The, the, the younger son realized that. And, you know, we live in a world where people and religions will tell you to do the best that you can. But we realize here that there was a Pharisee and he, all he boasted of was his good works. And he, all he could say was, I thank God that I am not as other men are. But, you know, the gospel is to those that are sinners. God says, I call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we trust that there might be someone tonight here feeling the weight of your sin and that you will close in with God's offer of mercy ere it be too late. Now, I was just, I'm just going to tell you very briefly my story of conversion. I was saved at the age of 10. I was just turned 10, so I won't be, I'll just be a few minutes. I know it's nearly 25 past, but I'll only be a few minutes telling you my, my story of conversion. I was brought into a home where my father was saved, but my mother wasn't saved. Um, my father wasn't saved. He was the age of 36. It was just a number of years before I was born. Um, but my father, he was, and my mother were both brought up Catholics. But the gospel came into our home through my auntie Josephine going to university. I know most here might know the story quite well. But there was one thing that really, for me, stands out. And that is whenever my auntie Josephine came home and she told Daddy that she had got saved and he was angry. He thought that she had been misled some way or somebody had taken advantage of her. But there was one thing that he did, and that was that he took down his Bible and read it. And, you know, I don't know if there's anyone here in the meeting tonight and maybe you're considering, maybe you're realizing, feeling the weight of your sin, and you're longing to have your soul saved and longing to be right with God. You know, there's one thing you could do when you go home, and it's take down your Bible and read it. That was the one thing that my father did. And, you know, it was the best thing that he ever did because through reading the Bible, he realized that he was a sinner. You know, that was the one thing that really burdened him with his sin, and he knew that he wasn't right with God. So I would encourage anyone in the meeting tonight, if you're thinking about getting saved, take down your Bible and read it. And, you know, that was my father eventually then came to, the, to hear the gospel and he got saved and that's how the gospel came into our home. I'll not go into the whole details of it, but my father was saved and my mother is still not saved. And so for any of the Christians that are here, we would very much appreciate your prayers for her. Um, but we were brought along to, uh, to the gospel hall there in, in Bridgetown. It was then known as Carrick. And... We, I knew from my earliest days the gospel. I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew that if I was to ever be in heaven, I needed to be saved. And the one thing that spoke to me the most growing up in a home where I was hearing the gospel from my earliest days was the fact that the Lord's coming was drawing nigh. I knew that this was an event, and it was spoken of quite often when I was a child, that, you know, the the sureness of the Lord's coming. I knew that it could happen at any time. And the one thing that I feared was that there would be some of my family that would leave and be in heaven. And I knew that because I wasn't saved, I'd be left and left behind to face the judgment of God. You know, I just wonder, is there anyone tonight? And maybe you're one in your family and there's some that are saved and there's some that are not. Are you amongst those that are saved? Or are you amongst those that are not? If the Lord was to come tonight, would you go with those that are, that are saved? You know, that was the one thing that spoke to me the most. 
And I trust that it speaks to you tonight to make sure that if the Lord was to come, that you wouldn't be that one in the family that would be left behind. And I just remember one incident um, that spoke to me the most, and that was up at my Auntie Josephine's. My father was there um, helping her with the garden work. They had got a new house there, and there was quite a bit of work to be done in the garden. And my father was up giving help, giving some, giving a bit of a hand, and I was up there as well. And I remember waking up late one morning, and there was no one in the house. My auntie Josephine and her husband Raymond were both teachers, and my father was out at the back of the garden doing some work. And of course, the first thought that came into my head was that the Lord had come. And it struck fear into me, and I can remember I'm nearly embarrassed to say it, but I can remember going out to the front of the house and screaming at the top of my voice, wondering, was there anyone about? And I, my father then, he was like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, once I heard his voice, I was okay, and I never told him what, what I was worried about. But those thoughts left me, and that's the way it was growing up. I had thoughts of my soul salvation, but very soon the thoughts would leave me. And, of course, anyone that is familiar with the gospel that knows that that is not a wise decision to make, for we know what not what shall be in the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And, you know, the Bible makes it very clear. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Tonight is the night that you should go in for salvation. And don't be putting those thoughts off. If you're having thoughts of your soul salvation, those thoughts are not being put there by the speaker. Those thoughts are being put there by God. And you should cherish those thoughts that God is speaking to you. And you should go in for salvation even tonight. And, you know, I can remember then, um, it was 2001 um, when my uncle, that's my another brother of my auntie Josephine and my father, he took seriously ill and he passed away at that time from cancer. And that was probably the biggest voice to me. It was the first time I was faced with a family death. And I went in to visit him about two or three days before he died. Probably at the time, looking back, I thought to myself, maybe it wasn't wise bringing a 10-year-old boy in to see a man that was so unwell. But you know, it was the one thing that spoke to me the most. Because here was a man who I, from what I knew, he wasn't saved. He never told us that he was saved. He, he lived quite a, a godless life. But you know, the one thing that spoke to me was I have, they have another sister called Mary Teresa, some might know her here, but she's got a condition what's called Down syndrome. And I remember her in the room with him, holding his hand, and he was holding her hand and squeezing it tight. He was in so much pain. But she was quoting verses of scripture to him, and she was quoting them word perfectly. I don't even think she could have quoted them as well in the Sunday school. And you know, I couldn't understand how she could quote these verses so well. And, you know, I don't know where that man stands in light of eternity, but, you know, looking back, I just always remember my auntie just quoting those verses so well to him. But, you know, if you're here in the meeting tonight, you know, there's one thing you want to make sure, that if you're ever to pass away, that those that are around you know where you're going. They're sure that there's a person who died and he was saved and was ready for heaven. You know, that man, you know, he died. We don't know what happened to him. Um, you know, some would like to think that maybe he, 
he did get saved, but I can't answer that. So I just would urge anyone here in the meeting tonight, just when if, if your time was ever to come, make sure those around you are sure that you're somebody who's saved and ready for heaven. I'll just come to the, it was about a week after my uncle died, I couldn't sleep at night. I, every time I closed my eyes, all I could think of was, was my uncle. And all I could think was the fact that if that was me that was in that coffin, I would hardly even go into the coffin, into the room where the coffin was to see him because I always knew that he was a man. And in my mind there, there was a man that wasn't saved and he was in hell. And that's all I could think of as a 10-year-old boy. And I knew that that was me, that, that that's where I would be as well. And I knew that I wasn't ready. And I would have taken down my Bible quite often and I would have pleaded to God that he would show me how I could be saved, that I didn't want to die in my sins. And I can remember asking my sister Caroline um, how she got saved. And she says, I'll not speak to you. But she goes, what you could do is you could go to the Bible and read the Bible for yourself. And she goes, the chapter that spoke to her was 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And she says, go into your room and read it yourself. So that's what I did, and I thought it was a very wise thing looking back, which he did. I went to my Bible, and of course, as a 10-year-old boy looking, there's 58 verses in the, in the chapter, and it says, oh, that's a very long chapter to be reading. But you know, I didn't get very far down the chapter. Verse 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You know, I would have read that verse plenty of times. And even then, when I read it, I couldn't understand how I could be saved. And I was very familiar with the gospel. And I believed the gospel. I believed that I was a sinner. And I believed that Christ died upon the cross. But, you know, I struggled with this thought of believing. How do I know that I could be saved? And what do I need to do to believe? Because I already do believe. That was the biggest struggle for me. And, you know, I got down on my knees at the side of my bed and I, I told God exactly the thoughts that I was having, that I was having the struggle of believing. And I cried to God for mercy and that he would show me how I could be saved. And, you know, I remember reading through these verses again. And, you know, the moment I got saved, that word believe never even entered my head. You know, I knew that I was a sinner and you know, that moment that I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I just realized that as a sinner before God, I was deserving hell. But here there's a verse that tells me that Christ has died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And I rested on him and just relied on him as my all for eternity. There's nothing that I could do, just like the, the, the hymn that, um, that we sung there tonight, um, in uh, 2.9.2 the chorus of it says I seek no other argument I want no other plea it is enough that Jesus died and rose again for me you know I just rested on Christ as my saviour and trusted in him from, as my all for eternity and you know I just wonder is there someone here tonight you know and you're having thoughts of your soul salvation you know just make sure that you go in for it tonight. We can't promise salvation to you tomorrow. God's word can't promise it to you tomorrow because God's word says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is this the day of salvation. I just trust their very stammering remarks 
but just trust that there might be someone here tonight and with a desire to have your soul saved that you might just close in with God's offer of mercy ere it be too late and know the joy and the satisfaction of sins forgiven and peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We trust that God will add a blessing to the, this little message and to the little testimony. And we do look to God now as we close the meeting in prayer. Our God and Father, we draw nigh into thy presence in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, O oh God, thank thee again for the story of the... We thank thee again for the great story of the message of the gospel. We thank thee again, O God, for all that it can present to mankind. We realize, O God, that as sinners we are ready for the judgment of God, and yet we thank thee again for the glorious message of the gospel that can tell of a, a way back to God. And we pray, O God, that even tonight, those that have been in listening and those in the car park that have been listening to the message that has been presented. We pray, O oh God, that something that might be said, um, and, O oh God, that the Holy Spirit of God might reach the, that might speak to the heart of individuals, and the Word of God might reach some darkened soul tonight. And pray, O oh God, that the, the gospel might bear forth fruit unto life everlasting. We commit each one to thee. We commit each home to thee. And pray, O oh God, that if the Lord was to come, that, all, that, the, that there will be families complete in Christ, and that none would be left behind. We commit all to thee. Pray that thou wast part us with thy blessing, and pray for safe journeyings home as we commit all to thee, and ask it all as we give thanks in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.